It is King Arthur, and these are my knights of the round table. Whose castle is this? This is the castle of my master, Guido Go and tell your master that we have been charged by God with a sacred quest. If he will give us food and shelter for the night, he can join us in our quest for the Holy Grail. Well, I'll ask him, but I don't think he'll be very keen. Uh, he's already got one, you see. What? He says they've already got one. Are you sure he's got one? Oh, yes, it's very nice. Uh... I told him we already got one. <laughs> And welcome back, Beyonders, to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin. We've got Dan and Lincoln in the house to talk about Pendragon, King Arthur, and the Round Table. It's going to be awesome. And of course, uh, you know, you may find that your Pendragon is a little bit more on the Monty Python side than the Arthurian legend side, but that's okay. With epic music like that in uh, Monty Python, how can you go wrong, right? Welcome to the show, fellas. Uh, we got a good show for everybody today. And, of course, as always, we are going to kick off our Geek Week. Dan, why don't you kick us off? Hey, how's it going, everybody? Uh, last October, I uh, gifted myself birthday style for the uh, with the War Cry Red Harvest box. Two war bands and a crap ton of terrain. And so I have finished assembling all this terrain and the terrain and the terrain and the terrain. There were so many sprues. I got to the point now, these are double size, full, big sprues. You know, they're like, you know, 12 inches by 10 inches or whatever. I got to the point where I got to the last sprue and I had to just stop assembly. And I'm like, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this right now. So, <laughs> but uh, it's, as you guys will know, it's like this foundry type terrain stuff and uh, a lot of uh, beams and wood and, me and metal banding and uh, like uh, industrial type stuff. So I'm excited about it. Have not painted it. I have primed it. I I do big batch priming because I use a lot of rattle cans, people. So I've primed some super fantasy brawl from Mythic Games, who we'll be talking about later. I primed a lot of stuff I have for them. So I'll be doing. I love these sculpts. These are going to be a lot of fun to paint. And uh, my son put some Pokemon minis on my uh, on my hobby bench so he and i will be working on pokemon together that'll be fun too so that was geek week item number one is just mountains of assembly and i'm kind of assemblyed out loosely related to that i also assembled my varian guard guys i mentioned that last time and I, I did a glue up for them and, and then i primed them but i realized these guys are the slaves to darkness faction and i have three heavy hitters and I needed some chaff. I needed some chaff. And so I did the first the first time I've ever pre-bought a pre-assembled and pre-painted uh war warband for Age of Sigmar, even though I'm not I don't play Age of Sigmar. These are just for Warcry. Uh, but the guy I bought them from on eBay did a really nice job. They came with his came with the little magnets, and I like that. It's got a little tough to grasp, you know, a couple of Things fell off in shipping, which is just fine. Um, the only thing I don't like about these is probably the one thing I can't change, which is probably why I, I didn't buy them on the sprue, is the sculpts are pretty crappy. I don't know if you can see that on camera. They're very cartoonish. 
They're Is that kinda, an old school Marauder? The, it looks like an old Marauder, yeah. Yeah, old yeah Marauder. this is the Marauder. And this is like yeah. the only Marauder. This is the only sculpt you can get for the um, Slaves to Darkness Marauders. Yep. And they have them on horseback, too. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get the horseback, guys. I just got the footman. Um, but they do this awesome thing in Warcry called Heal Themselves by Three Points as a Reaction. Uh, so yes. that's awesome. <laughs> so that is nice. You really have to take them down, otherwise they'll just dig deep. Dig so, deep, boys. Dig yeah, deep, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna have to. Do, you got to do the full ten points of damage, or they'll you're gonna you're gonna be you know staring at these guys next round. They're so cheap as far as point list building goes. You know, I can fit two Varengar and six of these chaff guys in, and some cases seven if I had the flails, but I don't have the flails, but. I could even fit three, three, almost 300 point Varen guards in a list and still have a, a two of these guys to squeeze in if I really wanted to. But who's that stupid? Who Who's going to do a five model uh, uh, list for, for Warcraft? That's just crazy talk. The other thing I've been doing a lot of list building. And the other thing I like about the Varen guard is each of the different configurations are five points different. So if you're over by five points, you just swap one guy out for the other guy. Or if you need to, if you wouldn't need to juice it by five points, no problem. You got a slightly more expensive dude um, right in there. So you don't really need three in a list. So you always have a guy on the on the bank waiting to go in and play. So Justin, I have to play this with you. We have to. We need to. I need Brian, to get to right in. I want to charge you with mount with guys mounted on these four feet. <laughs> four foot lizard horses. They're in the background for you for the YouTube guys. Yeah. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see them in my background. So that was McGeek Week. All hobbying, no playing. Uh, that happens. That happens. Lincoln, how was your Geek Week, buddy? Oh, it's pretty great. I finished a three book series on audiobook on Audible mm. uh, called The Edge of Collapse. Okay author is kyla stone it was one of those things i listened to a lot of audiobooks and i got like the pop-up right on like i think it was amazon or on my facebook about an audiobook that was on special and sometimes those are really terrible and that's why they're on special but i had really good reviews and the premise is that an emp has gone off that has affected the united states at minimum and the, the author's idea in her notes and the kind of the, the prelude here to the book, she says she wanted to come up with an idea that who would see that as a good thing. So mm -hmm. the premise is it kind of starts with this woman who's been trapped in like a dungeon basement to this creeper before it happens. When that EMP happens, her doors unlock. Oh, so interesting. She begins her freedom in a world without rules now. And she's trying to get back to her family. It's really, it's actually, it was pretty good. Um, but you know what? It's a seven book series. Whoa. <laughs> I, I did not know that going into this. So I got through the third book and I was like, whew, it was really great. Could, <laughs> I, call, could I call that the end? It's like 25 hours, right? Of audio, audio, audible, right? So yeah, I'm not ready to jump into books four through seven yet. Uh, you know, I'll probably take a little break and then jump back in. But the, the whole premise of an EMP, I think we would all kind of agree that it would be kind of a bad thing for the world. But somebody yeah. somewhere has a story where that is actually a really good thing. And this is an instance of that. The characters are dynamic. There's a lot of 
like there's a lot of violence there's a lot of desperation but there's also a lot of survival going on in this book and she finds herself like up in the middle of the wilderness um in minnesota like in the deep woods trying to get out mm. in like snow and stuff so a lot of cold and middle of winter it's really good it's called edge of collapse so i think i would uh right now i give like a solid eight and a half out of ten definitely recommend if you're up for a seven book series but i didn't know going into it it was going to be a seven book series so no I yeah think. um but the other thing is um <laughs> i got another book that i started a real life book like one of those ones where you got to hold and read what i decided, I decided that i don't want to read a book on my phone in bed anymore like the light, sometimes I have a hard time going to sleep after that. So I got this cool nerd, like light that goes around my neck and has two lights on it. It can point in any direction I want. And I can hold a book out in front of me and I can see the pages without bugging my wife with the light in the room. Hmm. And um, so I started reading Crusade by Robin Young. And this takes place at the end of the ninth and final crusade. Oh, and cool. So really, really cool. I've just started it and it's a, it's a three. I checked. It's a three book series. So I went ahead and picked up, <laughs> I went ahead and picked up all three of them. I got a first print. Um, I was lucky enough to find a first, first print off eBay, um, but really cool so far. Um, again, kind of, you know, a little very historic, but it's got like a grisly historic to it. So pretty cool. And then let's see what else today. Oh, you know what? I'm getting ready to take a calculus class in May. And it's been so long since I've touched any kind of math in real life that I started taking a, uh, like, I'm, like, prepping myself. So there's a guy called Professor Leonard, if you're familiar with that, if and he calls students online. If you're not, you should be. His name is Professor Leonard, and he's a YouTube guy, and he does a really great job of breaking down the complexities of math to make them easy to comprehend, to kind of dust off some of those cobwebs, right, that I just don't remember how to do things, right? So today I was, you know, working on slope and that kind of fun stuff just for fun for like, you know, an hour. My wife's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm trying to be prepped for this calculus class because it's been forever since I've done any kind of math whatsoever. So, um, and then I've been building Warhammer models. Nice. Uh, nice. I, Fire Slayers, the rumor is their points are going down. I've got a pretty big army and I've got a uh, 12 berserk 12 hardcore berserkers right now that need heads and hair so that's my goal is to get the heads and hair then i'm done so <laughs> when I, I i build them all together on a series so i gotta put the heads and hair on all of them and then i'll be set so pretty excited and then i've been playing that's a lot great. of tt a lot, a lot of tts yeah just sigma online getting prepped for tournaments and stuff but that's, that's my great. geek week definitely geeky two books some math and some math minis, right that's math cute. minis and books right yeah so man i would have done so much better in college if i had youtube had youtube cheers, been cheers to me cheers Bro, to you i'm telling you professor leonard kids if you're listening go subscribe to his channel pass it to your kids in school if you're having problems if you're adults professor leonard he does an excellent job of making you smart at math easy i I had to drop a class in the French Revolution when I was messing around with the history. Is that when minor. you were in school back then? No, it was or... in college. This would have oh. been in the 1990s. <laughs> and later in life, there was a podcast all about revolutions. And he spent like a year and a half going over the intricacies of the French Revolution in a really interesting way. I was like, all I needed was this podcast series. And I would have got a B in that class. Right. So. Yeah, this, These this kids is one of those. 
This is one of those channels, man. Priceless. Yeah. That's how I taught myself vertical lookup and stuff like that on Excel. Like you never learn that from an instructor. These kids today, they have no idea how good they have it. I was totally self-taught in Excel and and I, I, um, came out to Washington DC from, um, from school right out in Utah. And I was waiting for my government clearance to come through. And so I had to take a temp job basically because it was going to be a couple of months, right. For them to get through on it. And, um, I ended up working at the Montgomery County permitting office there. And it sounds exciting. It was like I they what they needed is they needed a temp person to go through this like big old stack of papers where they had um not measured correctly the easements between properties mm-hmm. and they needed to know which ones were not compliant and which ones were compliant, even though the houses were already built. Do you know what I mean? And so um <laughs> so basically I had to enter this all into a database, but I basically made a whole spreadsheet for them. There was like conditional formatting, you know, and like I learned all of this on like Google, like in 2005, because I didn't really know how to do this. That wasn't my major or anything like that. But I, I self-taught myself, but I do this conditional formatting. I presented it to them and literally like their minds melted. They're like, this is the most amazing thing. And all it was is like if I typed 18, it turned green. If I type 17, it turned red. Like, that was, like, the extent of, like... That's so, amazing! Yeah, they, they're, like, they're like, we'll give you a job right now. You hey, college, college, right college doesn't prove you know anything. It just proves that you can hopefully learn. So it sounds right. like you, you're you able to prove that you can learn, and even if you have to teach yourself. Yeah, yeah. Good job. Yeah, they're like, we'll give you a job. It's $28,000 to start. And I'm like, I don't Man. think that's even minimum wage. Like, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> yeah, that was a good. Time. I could, you could sell yourself on for services on the internet for less than for more than that, probably. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah. Take some feet pics or something, right? No, no I, one... meant, I'm, I meant it for Excel, I didn't mean those, oh, that kind oh. of stuff. Like, you know, no one oh, on the globe wants uh, to see your feet, Justin. No I don't one. think they do either. I, I meant like, I meant like, I meant, no, 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 I meant like Fiverr or something, not actually. <laughs> being weird uh, <laughs> that's where my mind went i think we talked about feet pics in a previous we episode. Did last oh episode yeah. last episode awesome Gross. awesome well it sounds it sounds like you were really nerding out in your geek week you went nerd week on us lincoln wow so yeah, that's my cool, hats yeah no, all right so i played tonight actually i played a fun little game called here to slay um mm. have you guys played that game it's a little card game um super easy uh this is a game that i got off of timu okay so i'm like 99 percent. i'm 99 percent that this is like chinese reprinted cards you know like reversing them to sell your personal information i mean i did it through i did it through paypal so like at least my cards like you know, protected that way. At least you can have something to complain about when it does. Exactly. So, but anyway, I got this thing from Timu. It cost like four bucks or whatever. And it was totally worth it. It was a fun little game. Like, um, you know, we, we played a, we were doing a learning game and we played um, a full thing in like 20, 25 minutes, you know? So it was like a fun little game that you could just uh, play. And it, uh, it was, it was good. Like you just had, uh, you know, like different cards you could play in terms of like heroes and items and magic cards and, 
you're trying to kill monsters. You're trying to prevent your friends from killing monsters. And so you could like, you know, challenge them and give them modifiers on dice rolls that they would do. And um, super easy to pick. Like it has the illusion of complexity. Like it's actually a very easy game, but it feels more complex than it is because there are so, like uh, several things going on, but they're not that hard. You I feel like that's me at work. It's me. It's me at work. (laughs) I'm always trying to exude the illusion of complexity to the things that I do. I'm actually a very simple man. (laughs) It's really not that hard, right? Yeah. We're not going to tell your supervisor that it's all an illusion. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So no, that was it. Was a fun game. So if you are on Timu and you do buy things regularly from there, I'd highly suggest picking it up because you could get the base game and the two expansion packs for less than ten bucks. Um, I think it's on Miniature Market, too, and all that stuff, I'm uh, sure. So. Yeah, it's weird Here's how much life. cheaper it is on Timu than it is other places. It's printed on, like, 3 by 5 cardstock. So, <laughs> I will say the cards are not, like, the most, like... Like, I was I was shuffling them, and they were getting really bendy, you know? Okay. So, okay. Um, but... But uh, yeah, either that or they fell off of the back of a Chinese truck, which like I would not doubt it with the way that the trucks and the roads are over there in China. So, you know, Hmm. anyway, Uh, the second thing is that I've been playing um, a game on the Xbox that has been taking the world by storm. It is called Brotato. And here it is. Basically, you are uh, different kinds of potatoes. Oh, maybe it's not playing very well, but um, you are different kinds of potatoes. And you basically... Hey, did you guys ever play um, the uh, uh, vampire game? Like, that you would, like, level up and unlock extra powers and get extra weapons and stuff like that? Um, vampire Slayer, I think is what it was called. Rotate. Anyway. Yeah, so you're like little potatoes. It's a free little game that came to Xbox. It was out on Steam forever. And um, then they, yeah, so you see, you just go around killing enemies and picking up things. And it, it like gives you tons of level ups and you unlock new gear and you can have up to six weapons at a time because, you know, there's potatoes can do that apparently. And um, each, each potato character has its own powers. You know, like some are really good at range, some are really good at melee, some explode. Like, it's a lot of fun, and it's it one of those. It looks like games. the '90s of Revisit Us. This looks like a cheap version of Diablo, probably yeah. made the same time as your Marauder, there, Dan. So, yeah, right, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Right, it's just if so. you run around, you hit monsters and you get levels, and it's all 2D. Like it looks like Diablo, like Diablo two, maybe Diablo one yeah. even. Uh, I'd, I'd say even Diablo one, and um, and again, this is like meant to just be a fun little game that you can play like through, like. You could run a whole character all the way through the 20 levels it takes to like fully unlock them um, in like 20 minutes or something like that. You know what I mean? So like you could sit down and play this. The problem is, is it's highly addictive. Yeah, it's a, a kind level? of game. What's that? So if there's a cow level, I'm all in. I'm sure there's probably got to be a cow level somewhere. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, you know the the like you see on Reddit, people are playing this game and they're like. Sat down to play play Brotato. Four hours went by. What happened? You know, <laughs> like what happened? So um, it's a really fun game. It's on the Games Pass. So if you've got that, it's free. And um, I mean, play it with your kids. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I have to so, check it out for sure. Yeah, Brotato. So yeah, pretty good Geek Week, guys. I like it. 
time for Gable Cup and Beyond News. Because I was early on the queue. You were. All right. I've been so late on the queues lately. Uh, I'm I'm about to play a whiplash clip. Are you you know Are you dragging? Are you rushing or are you dragging? Not my tempo. Not my tempo. Are you rushing or are you dragging? Have you Have you seen that movie Whiplash? I'm aware of it. I'm aware of yeah. it. Yeah. I'm rushing, not dragging. It's a great movie. It's yeah. a great movie. Yeah. 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 Okay. So this is the lack of news, which is news in this business. That no, Hasbro's not selling D and D. This was a huge thing. I mean, even on some of our boards, people were like, Dan, this looks legit. I'm like, ah, yeah. I don't think so. Hasbro makes a lot of money off of D&D because it's high dollar, low investment, unlike manufacturing complicated plastic toys and shipping them to uh, shelves where they sit and collect dust. Anyway, uh, Hasbro was not trying to sell D&D there was a Chinese website where they take industry news and they translate it into English. Oh and Tencent yeah. regularly licenses IP from Hasbro for D&D and other things. But due to a mistranslation, people on the internet thought Tencent from China was going to buy D&D from Hasbro. Hasbro oh. had to come out and say no. Tencent had to come out and say no. And yet the internet rumor mill persisted. So this has been fully quashed. How's that for no news news? Well, it was a it was a fire topic there for a little bit, and people were like, to the Chinese, you know, like what? You know, You're but, I don't know. Cue the racism. <laughs> I mean, the Chinese, the Chinese essentially shut down Vine and started TikTok for us all, so why not, right? So. <laughs> well, so... Uh, Still working you, on my dances. That's right. <laughs> and you can tell that there's no way... Hasbro's about to launch a new version of D&D. They have so much R&D tied up into it. That's when you don't sell something. You know, you sell it as a profit-taking activity in the best-case right. scenario. And their movie did pretty good and it was oh, yeah. like a good movie so i don't know what these guys are smoking so rumor is we... they've approved a second one too so yeah. if you've heard that yeah so i mean don't should be good everybody who's not listening to this podcast don't listen to the internet the internet lies it's a lying place <laughs> what the no the internet lied to me all right next piece of news uh Free RPG Day has been announced for June 22nd, 2024. Um, this, for you guys who may not know about this, there's a day in which you can go to a local game store and get a hold of uh, free RPG materials, or you can go play games that have been um, set up in the store using this free material. So if you want to bring up that website on the big screen and scroll through the different publishers that are committed to this. It's actually a really good list. Yeah, um, rather than have me um, blab it all, you can scroll through. I guess we do have audio listeners. So we've got, you know, really, you know, big publishers in this space. <laughs> uh, so if you click for publishers, you've got Magpie and Simon and Renegade and Marvel Multiverse, WizKids. 
uh, Cobalt, Free League, Paizo. These are all companies that, and I'm just, you know, mentioning a few of them. These are all companies that have uh, committed in some way to provide free RPG materials on June 22nd. Quick start also, guides for everybody, right? Exactly. There's something for everybody. And so for gamers, there's yeah. a thing you can go in and see if your local game store is, uh, you can put in a city name and uh, look to see which games in your area, uh, which game stores in your area are hosting free RPG. So that's a really good thing. And usually there's a lot of content that comes out of these that gets repurposed in other ways. Um, I know when FFG was supporting it, um, they would add on additional missions that went along with the free box, not the free box sets from the starter box sets. Mm. So if you play, if you had the starter box set, you could get like a second mission to go with all the characters in the story mm. as a jumping off point. And so it's a great, uh, it's a great thing for anybody who wants to try out some RPG stuff. Uh, if you want traditional D and I don't see wizards of the coast on the list, but you've got Paizo there which means you've got yep. access to um, uh, Pathfinder. Uh, Pathfinder if if that's what you're into. So, yep. uh, and hey, Marvel and Simon and other companies that we'll be talking more about in just a quick moment. Look, Renegade Game Studios is there, so you can get Transformers, Barbie, and... G.I. Joe's Vampire. My Little Pony. Vampire, yeah. My Little yep. Pony, yep. yeah. So, yeah. anyway. All bronies unite. And you guys know how much we love Freely. That we talk about them all the time on the show. They yes. made it to, on the list as well. So uh, you know, do it just to support Freely because I'm a big fan of Freely. I wonder if these companies will like pick one that they need think needs help or is super popular, right? Well, so last year, um, who was it that put it out? Um, Dune. It was um, what's that? Odiphius. Modifius, they Modifius. put out the Dune. Basically, it was a Dune um, uh, intro mission for their yeah. RPG, right? So, like, there were some good ones. There were some pretty obscure ones, too. Um, our buddy John Tross went and picked up a bunch of them and, and was showing me them. And so I was like, oh, wow, these are really – I mean, it was really cool. Like, you came away as, like, a just like a little starter mission, you know, that you could play. And, I mean, it had some, like – some of them had super rules light in there. It was like, this is how you – you know, swing is how you hit, and they had. I think they had links to character sheets that you could download or whatever. So, awesome. you know, yeah, it's it's designed to to be as to lower the barrier as far as they can for people who want to try role playing games. So June June twenty second, um, you'll get something for nothing. All you have to do is show up. All right, the next piece of news is uh, Simon has acquired. Uh, Hell, the last saga, and uh, Anaster. Did I pronounce that right? The Anaster and Hell, the last saga. Anaster, right? Anaster. Anaster, yep. Anaster from Mythic Games. So these are two um, Kickstarters that went unfulfilled, and Simon is grabbing the IPs and will be working on providing games to the backers. Um, to make sure they have something I, from what I understand, they're not going to be able to do all the add on bits for all of the full level uh, for anybody who bought beyond the basics, but uh, at least it will go fulfilled. Who's got uh, thoughts on 
Mythic Games imploding. So if you read Steam, <laughs> if you saw Simon's press release, I thought that they were very gracious. <laughs> you know, yeah. they were just like, hey, we're gonna, you know, we're we're taking this over and we're really excited to give it, you know, give the people what they want and uh, you know, and, and do that. And so um I think that uh the story behind it was really on the Reddit channels or the Discord channels of the people that were backing it. And that gave you the real look of what happened, which is that <coughs> Mythic started showing some serious signs. We, we covered this almost a year, about a year ago. They started showing some serious signs of um, financial issues when they started asking people to help pay for some more shipping. Um, when it wasn't, ju- it wasn't just Darkest Dungeon, it was the one before it too, wasn't it? Like, right, and it wasn't a little bit, it was quite a bit of shipping, it was like it was, an extra hundred dollars yeah. a person or something, yeah, or more, or more in some cases, yeah, so. yeah. And so, um, you know, it got it, you know, people were rightfully <laughs> upset because they said, Hey, we already paid the full thing here, including shipping, like, why isn't it coming to us? And you know, they they kind of put it on the Back of the pandemic, and you know, I mean, it was it was your standard. Uh, why are costs are going up? Oh, uh, shipping container issues, uh, war in Russia, uh, you know, like inflation. Right. I mean, it's like like all those things, which I'm sure is accounts for it. But um, as time went on, you started to see that there were some. There had to have been some financial mismanagement. Like I can't, um, you know, like obviously we don't see their books or anything like that, but. You know, from what I understand, they were taking money from current orders and using that to pay for the um, back order or not the back orders, but pay for the fulfillment of a previous project. Right. And that was just kind of those fundings were like cascading through. And so they're kind of leveraged. And so when, for example, uh, Siege 6 and Hell and uh, Anastir didn't maybe do as well as they had forecasted. Um, all of a sudden, Darkest Dungeon wasn't getting fulfilled. Like it didn't have enough money to put it out there, and now they're asking for a lot of money coming back, and over and over and over again because it's not like the money they collected was for that project. The money they collected was really for the previous project, right? So um, they kept have, coming with hat in hand, and you know, handout held or handout stretched for more money, and um, they just got to a point where it sounds like they just became insolvent almost. Um, we also saw, we also saw that they basically had to get a lot of capital to cover a lot of their costs by, um, selling their IPs to miniature market, some of their IPs to miniature market along Not with the IPs, the, the products, right? Yeah. The yeah, product. The product. Oh, yeah. It was the product. Yeah. They're, they're, they're Watcher, right it was now. all the steam watchers stuff and darkest dungeon even. And man, I'll tell you what, I own both of those games. I actually own multiple copies of both those games that I almost went and clicked again. Because like you could get Steam Watchers with all the expansions, I think for forty dollars one day. Yeah. On like a special, yeah. I was like, that is an amazing game for forty bucks, man. That's a steal. Oh yeah, yeah. I was thinking like buying it for friends and neighbors, and I resisted, which because I've got two copies, I don't really need a third, right? Right. But, um, Do you uh, recommend the expansions <clears throat> for that? I have the core game, but I don't have the expansions. For so Steam. I only I have only played the core game. Okay. Um, I think that like any most games with expansions. Generally, you don't need them, but if you play it a lot, your play group plays it a lot. It's an easy thing to add in. Everybody, you know, gets extra enjoyment out of it, right? So, what about um, uh, Super Fantasy Brawl? If you have a hundred percent, 
half the, I, I have more than half the expansions now. Should I yeah. should I fill out the rest of the dance card? These things are never going to get printed ever again. I abs- I would 100%. Okay. It's not. It's very inexpensive. It, it adds a ton. It's like getting you know an extra twelve characters on League of Legends or something, right? Like, yeah, why wouldn't yeah. you do that, right? Who yeah. wants to play Tekken with the original eight characters? You know what I mean? Like yeah. nobody. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I would say, well, fill your cart where you can. Um, that's a great. Again, it's a standalone game. It doesn't need future support to be amazing in ten years. Right, right. Super Fantasy right. Brawl. So I would say, I would say yes, Dan. Um, yeah, it's not app required. The sculpts are great. They're fun just yep. painting them, let alone playing yep. them. So yeah. And so I, how, I, how, I, how does how does that shape up Lincoln in your opinion for some of their other games like Darkest Dungeon or Siege Six or some of these other ones that like you know maybe are a little bit more recent, but we know that they're probably not going to be reprinting. Right. So my uh, spiel, right? I guess on Mythic is that. Um, they're not a they're not an evil corporation. I right. think they are a group of friends that came into gaming because they like games and they want to provide high quality, fun games for people. Uh, and there's not a whole lot of companies that are trying to bring high quality. They're you know they aren't trying to save a dollar when they make a game, right? Right. They try, and I think they got a little overzealous, a little over their skis, um, and you know, putting together a campaign, a kickstart campaign that probably costs a lot of money, right? Let's just say yeah. just putting a campaign together, that right. pre-work with the videos and the artwork and the minis and the sculpts yeah. and the artists and the game developers and the rule, all that stuff they have to do. Um, and then if the game doesn't meet their quota, what they thought it was gonna, they still have to come up with developing that game, even if it's yeah. for the not for the amount of masses they'd expected, which I think ultimately that was their demise is they got too many games going at one time, a mm-hmm. um, little overzealous, a little too much uh, enthusiastic within the company that they were a little too enthusiastic themselves about the, the games and how much they were going to catch on. It's one thing to believe in yourself. It's another thing to believe in yourself, all of your children, all of your grandchildren, and your posterity, right? You, <laughs> one of those games can't be a mega hit, right? I think that's right. what kind of what, what got them, right? Um, I think, and, that, and I mean, rising cost yeah. is a thing too, right? Like, oh, I mean, you're, you if know. you remember, if you recall, pandemic, right? Uh, I think a shipping container was thirty thousand dollars, right? Yeah. And if you fill that shipping container up with iPhones, you can probably put like you know eleven thousand iPhones in a shipping container and make a million bucks. Or you yeah. can put 1,100 board games in the same shipping right. container, right? And make 20 grand, right? right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, it, it was, so that really was a deal. That really was a big deal back then. But, I mean, we're talking, we're three years past the pandemic, I think now, safely. Two and a half years yep. past the pandemic. And I think they are trying to close up the business in such a way that there are as little... Um, I guess as little angst as possible, both for themselves and for their, for all of their customers who, like me, really enjoy their games and the quality of the games. And I'm sad to see them have to do this. Right. Um, well, their I mean, their catalog is so good. So and good. Deep. So good. And yeah. so I, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, you know, it'll be fun to see 12 years, 12 months from now where Mythic Games is, if there is a Mythic Games if they get pulled into a bigger consortium, a game, another game company altogether, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. So I'm looking forward to six seeds. Um, I've got all that coming. So I expect that the sculpts will be excellent. I think the game will be excellent. So 
I think the games that they are in the process of finishing, not including Hell and Anastir, I think will be will be quality Mythic games. My worry for the Hell and the Anastir um, is that those that went all in, you know, for like the eight hundred dollar pledge or whatever, my understanding is that they're going to get the basic tier pledge from Simon. Yeah, which is like the equivalent of like 80, 85 to one hundred bucks, right? That's what the press so, release said. Right, so that's a pretty yeah. hard that's a pretty hard pill to swallow. Now, yeah. I will say that I backed Dune from Simon, um, and I had some of the extra. Yeah, I did. It just showed up to my house like like last week. Oh, I haven't awesome. taken it out of the taken it out of the wrap yet, and it's, it looks amazing. And I got like the game mat, so Simon has the ability yeah. to yeah. make very nice minis. Very nice components. The game mat is is high quality. So I think that if there's another company on the planet Earth right now that Mythic Games should be giving that IP to, I think it's Simon. And I think it's, it's very fortuitous that it went to them and not yeah. somebody that couldn't actually deliver on the vision. So yeah, cheers yeah, to Simon for taking it up. Yep. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think, I mean... You look at a lot of Simon's games like Blood Rage and, you know, I mean, like a lot of those things. And they're all very quality. And, you know, they got the minis incorporated into them, too. And so, like, you know, Mythic has kind of, like, had that, like, board game miniature feel, you know. So I think uh, I think they're it's better that they got sucked up by Simon than um, Odiphius or something like that, right? right? So, yeah. I mean, I, I played Enchanters, like, last week. With yeah. some friends, and they were like, "This game is amazing. How do I get it?" And I was like, "Well, <laughs> I can sell you. <laughs> I can sell you one of my extra copies, but that's probably not what you're going to want to hear, you know." So, right, right. Uh, but yeah. Joe, if if the Joan of Arc core box is still out there in retail at two ninety nine, is that would you, is that still a good value, or is that a dead end if you can't if the expansions disappear? No, you don't need any expansions to play Joan of Arc. In fact, we played Joan of Arc for a couple of years at Gen Con with just the core box in oh, different scenarios. Just the core box alone is fantastic. Um, comes with a ton of minis. Uh, the trickiest part about Joan of Arc for those of people that are looking to get into it is you need to realize that it is a scenario-driven game. That's what it was designed for, which means it isn't a flip, you know, flip a coin and see who wins. Some yeah. of those scenarios are definitely advantage, you know, to the French, right? Or, or yeah. you know, so you got to just kind of go into it knowing that you're playing it through the scenario and you can try your best to win and make it a really great game. But there's, you know, it's, it's, you can't complain about, oh, this this, this scenario favors one person more than the next, right? You say, go back and look at the wars in history. Lots of times the underdog came out on top. So it doesn't mean you can't yeah. win. So but I think it's a great game. My own... I think I have three all-in copies of it in my basement. So yeah. what you're telling me is it took a couple of French guys to design a game to allow the French to win. <laughs> <laughs> saying there's a chance. I'm saying, there's, saying a chance. there's a chance. Well, a chance. We, we don't wish these guys ill will at all because we've got, all. A, yeah. between, no. uh, as a group, we've logged a lot of hours on the second. I went to the Mythic booth, and, and uh, at first I didn't like Super Fantasy Brawl because – I was just in the wrong headspace at the convention, went and bought it. My son and I love it. I keep buying it. I keep painting it, uh, the expansion set that is. And so I, I know they make really great stuff. And and if you just go on their website, they, there's just so many great, great games they have. And, and I, I hope 
they live on in, in a lot of different formats or they, they live to fight another day. Um, and I'm glad that the, the backers, even though they're not going to get the $800 all in package will still for these two games won't just be, you know, out a lot. I mean, that's the reality of Kickstarter is that like there are projects that fail. Right. And so, I mean, something is better than nothing. And I mean, it sucks, but like, you know, the problem is, is that I think a lot of people have gotten used to these board game, these big, like major IP board games, um, always fulfilling, like without a, without a hitch really, you know, And, and anybody that knows the mythic guys and this, I would probably say this is for most of those Kickstarter things that fail. Anybody that has met Leo, you see Leo, he used to do all the, you know, like the the, the week, week Wednesday reviews and that kind of stuff. He's a very charismatic, loving, caring kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He's not out there trying to stab you and steal your no. money, right? No. Um, I think this is, everybody's heart's in the right place and it just didn't work out the way they envisioned it. So, and I, I think that hopefully that is, if any project were to fail on Kickstarter, I don't know. I think that usually those game guys are creating games, man. You know, they're not trying to scam you. You know, yeah. they've got a dream and they want to see it come to fruition. And, you know, fact of life is not all dreams come true. So before we jump off this topic, you mentioned uh, Six Siege. What? And they're going to fulfill Six Siege. It's, it's on um, the boats right now. Yeah, it's on the boats. They, they have a counter. It says 29 days, four hours, 30 minutes till it gets to your house. Probably uh, something like that, yeah. Uh, what are you looking for? I think Virginia is always last for some reason. I don't know yeah, why, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like. I gotta We're farther away from uh, from the port yeah, of yeah, Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah, Let yeah. me just say that. Um, what are you looking forward to most in Six Siege? So if you've ever played Six Siege, which most people haven't, um, it is a quick game with a lot of strategy and skill. So you both have a group of operatives, usually three or four on each team. And there's a mission. You might have a hostage. I've got to go into the house, rescue the hostage before you kill me. It's one shot, one kill. So um, it's tough. It's it's a quick, fast-paced game. You can sit down and play it with your bro or bros in probably 30 minutes or less and have a fire of a time doing it. Um it's a, it's, a, it's what's that game we played, Justin? It, oh, Call of Duty. It's a hell of a lot better than Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we went and demoed call the Call of Duty board game, and yeah. I remember the takeaway from that was get Six Siege, it's better. <laughs> yep, the call, call, call of Duty was just super swingy on the dice. Yeah, it's super yeah. swingy on the dice where you have no control. Where Six Siege, it's all about how you move your operatives. Do you have line of sight? Do you have the positives and the negatives going into your role? You know what's going to be there, there's no chance winning your game. And I think that, you know, if you, those guys that play that game online, right, it's all about the skill yeah. of the player and it's not the luck of the draw. And right. so that's one thing that I can say about Six Siege. It is, I really like, I can't wait for it to show up, man. Well, and one of the um, <clears throat> banners of Six Siege, and I'm saying this is my son is literally in the other room playing Six Siege right now. Right. Um, I mean, he, he's been playing it. And like the banner of it is that you have all these operatives that have different special specialities. Yeah. And um, specialties. Sorry, specialities. Speaking French now, you turn me. Sounds delicious. Specialties. (laughs) So the um, but they have different specialties that, and oftentimes they counter each other. There's the paper to the rock to the scissor, right? And um, so that's what makes it a lot of fun is that somebody may choose something that is your counter, and you've got to learn how to deal with it. So 
it's it's pretty good. So it's, yeah, I'm happy to break I'll break break it out and play it with you, Dan. And if you really love it, I'm sure you can find it on the secondary market, or you can just play mine. Yeah. You know, if oh, you want to play mine, you just got to paint it. That's it. I mean, that's the deal. So. <laughs> yeah, that you're. I have offered to paint minis in our gaming group, and I've not been taken up on that yet. So I'm not down for that. So, Dan, there was one other thing um, that Lincoln posted in our chat. Uh, badge sales for Gen Con uh, open up on February 11th. That's only oh my six gosh. days from now. We got to get right. serious. So, put it on your calendar. And the 20, at the end of the month, I think the 29th or 28th, somewhere in there, the end is the room reservation start. You got to put yourself in for a oh, room. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, oh my be gosh. mind if you're going to Gen Con. Time to put your hats oh, on and be mindful, folks. We're running out of days. Let's yes, go. I cannot wait to go to Gen right. Con. You had right. so much fun last year, Lincoln. So those of you that are listening, I've been at Gen Con for, I don't know, maybe like eight years in a row. <laughs> and last year was the only time that I've ever been at Gen Con as a participant and not as a vendor. Not as a vendor. So yeah. I really, With- really, really had a great time. Full disclosure, you helped out Mythic Games for a few That's years. That's right. Yeah, I ran, their, I ran a lot of their demos in their booths. Yeah. Not yeah. for pay. Not for pay. No, I got game. For... I got games out of it, like everybody else. But um, <laughs> uh, no, it was really great, man. That's fantastic. I love Gen Con as an attendee. Highly yeah. recommend it. If you're a vendor, yeah. go as an attendee for at least a few yeah. of those days, man. Say no and go. Have a good time. That's right. Great. <laughs> Awesome. We, awesome. That means I gotta, I I, I gotta brush off the old. Uh, what what time do I wake up in the morning? To uh, what day is that gonna be? What day of the week is that? The For 11th. real life is my wife's birthday. It's on Sunday at noon. Sunday so noon. that's that one's not that big of a deal to get tickets. It's the it's the getting event tickets. It's event. You have to have yeah, your yeah, like yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But they they change it now where you basically put it in your wish list and then you hopefully get a you know the lottery closer to the front yeah. than the back. And then I'll just buy tickets of what's available. So to me, this is the line in the sand. This is where I tell my wife and family, I bought tickets to Gen Con. I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you've all been warned. You got warned you've in all February. Been warned. I, that's right. You got plenty of time to figure it out. So sweet. That's right. I love it. Awesome. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Very good. Very good. Uh well, let's move on to our main topic, which is Pendragon RPG. So we're switching gears here a little bit. Uh, if the video in the beginning didn't give you a hint of what Pendragon is about, it is about King Arthur Pendragon and his Knights of the Round Table. Uh, we didn't really get to the quest of the Holy Grail yet in there, but uh, we definitely did some pretty iconic games when we played this during our GuildCon earlier this or i guess at the end of last year so um we uh have been a little remiss in talking about this since then and we figured now is a great time to talk about pendragon um one of the things to note about it is that the starter set and we'll get to this like what the contents of the starter set are because i think it's actually really good in my opinion chaosium makes the best starter sets out there hands down they were Awesome for RuneQuest, they're amazing for um, Call of Cthulhu, and this Pendragon one was also very, very, very good. So um, just keep that in mind, guys. And their starter sets are like $30, too, which, like, if you look at a Modifia starter set, like the Fallout one, I got it on sale, but it, it's generally like 45 bucks. I think the Doctor Who one's like 50 
you know, so um, keep that in mind. Anyway, we'll talk about starter set in a minute, but uh, we got a chance to play it and um, people are like, okay, well like Pendragon, like what's the deal with it? Right. Um, uh, Lincoln, maybe, maybe we can start talking about like the setting a little bit, like, um, you know, King Arthur, like what's the kind of, what's, what's the setting feel that we got from the RPG that we played? Right, so I really liked it because it wasn't super high fantasy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't low fantasy where everybody is just exactly the same. It's like, it's medieval. It's more low fantasy than definitely the high fantasy. But I hate to say this because it sounds really cheesy, but like, it's almost, it felt like if this was going to really happen, like in real life, if I was going to put on a suit of armor and like go fight, and Dan and I both managed to hit each other, right? Which you can yeah. do in this game. You can both hit each other. But the one of you that hits each other best is the one that's actually going to do the damage, right? And so yeah. I think that it was, it was really good. And that was really bad English. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, everybody. <laughs> that's fine. But uh, I thought it, I thought it was a really great game in a really fun world. We got done playing the intro, and I'll tell you, folks. I told Justin, I want to play a three shot of this like tomorrow. I'm ready to go. Like, yeah. write it up. Let's roll. I was, I'm down for playing a three shot. I cannot wait. So, yeah, exactly. And as I was prepping um, to run this, you know, I mean, Dan, when we say King Arthur, like, what comes to your mind? Like, what do you think of immediately? So, like, heavy chain mail, slow yeah. weapons, yep. uh, mounted combat, uh, yeah. horse-mounted combat, and uh, uh, jousting. Jousting yes. comes to mind. Yep. Yep. So I, I would want that feel. I would want that. I would want to feel the kinetic energy of the hooves. I don't know if you guys have ever watched real jousting or sport jousting uh, as it's reenacted in different. You mean formats, at medieval times? I've not been to medieval times. <laughs> I've been to the Excalibur yeah. in the 1990s. Yeah. Renaissance festival. I've done that recently, but in the 1990s, I don't know if they still do it. They had a very large, jousting arena in the excalibur hotel in las vegas and those horses really got moving um they really had a lot of a lot of a lot of runway let's just say it's a different feeling you know just that heavy you know just the kinetic energy of it all i would really be looking for for something that that had that feeling yeah and you know first off i mean this is that game, Dan. Like literally, yes, I mean, you're Dan. on horses and you're jousting. Like literally, like there's there's combat mechanics for that, right? Um, but it's funny because when when you talk about King Arthur, a lot of people's their mind goes like immediately to like the Disney Sword in the Stone. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, and or Merlin. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I would say I would say like think of Clive Owen's King Arthur. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. Where I saw like. One. Yeah, I was the only person that saw that. You and I saw that in the theater, and no one else in America did. <laughs> That's one of my I favorite think... movies of all time. Lincoln and I and Justin. It really saw is. That I the love theater. that movie, man. So yeah, it was yeah. good. No, I like. But it. this is this is like that feeling, right? Where it's like, um, there was a point where Merlin was talking to the crew. Remember this? And you guys had been beat up by some Picts, right? And those are Picts. P I C T. S, which are basically Scottish Highlanders that were living like in the wild, Scottish Highlander Celts, right? And um, anyway, you guys got pretty beat up, and King Arthur said, thank you for doing what you can, but I need you to go retrieve the sword that you ended up losing. 
Um, and because it's really important that we get that back. And one of you guys turned to Merlin and said, Hey, can we get a little healing right here? And he looks at you and goes, I'm not that kind of a magician. Literally, <laughs> what the hell, man? I missed an alarm, right? And he's like, Sorry, not not my MO. Yeah. I don't do that kind of thing. I got fireworks. You guys need fireworks. We, we were all expecting him to be like, Oh, I'll give you a blessing of healing and heal you. He's like, Sorry. I'm not that kind of magician. We're like, uh, okay then. You can I guess cauterize. It's time yeah. to cauterize. Oh, Off to the end we go, right? Literally. But you know, the interesting thing is, though, is it like I mean, the whole idea of King Arthur, and especially this comes out in the RPG very well, is that it's kind of a, and I learned a new word today, a pastiche, which is like a, a smashing of genres together, right? So. It feels medieval, which is like Renaissance time, you know, like 13th, 14th century. Well, I guess earlier than that, right? 11th, 12th, 13th century. But it's all around the Arthurian legend, which is a little bit timeless. You can't quite place it if you really try to do it, right? But then it's also dealing with like 5th century politics, like in England. So it's like medieval times, it's put in a time that's not really supposed to be medieval. You know, and so you have again, that's why I think that the Clive Owens um King Arthur fits this idea hundred percent, well. dude. Yeah, and that soundtrack, you know? by the way, would be great to play with. Just oh totally. Yeah. So um so it's interesting because you know when you add all of those things together, you also need to inject the British Isle folklore that is there as well. You know, and so that's where your magic of this scenario comes in. And in fact, we got to a point in our session that we ran, um, I decided to kind of run a little bit off the cuff because these guys were doing stuff like pretty well. And so we ended up having a moment where they ended up seeing a will of a will of the wisp, like light, you know, like dancing around in the woods. And a couple of them decided to follow it that led them to a lady in the lake. You know, and so they had a lady in the lake moment that ended up. Um, but not all of us. Them. Some of us were yeah. not brave. Of not, I was like, I'm not going. Heck no, I'm not going to go yeah. in the woods. There's yeah. no way I'm following some some wisp into the into the woods. There's no way. So not all of us got to have that experience. You <laughs> mean a watery tot handed you a sword? That's no basis for a government. Exactly, exactly. So, um, but you know, I mean, like that's where we kind of put our magic in. Is it was more right. of the folklore, superstition magic right. than, than like you know, here's a healing potion, you know, that the D and D has, and um, which I thought was fun. It added more towards the kind of the realism of the game. Um, that was a lot of fun. So, Lincoln, let's talk about. Um, you mentioned the combat system. And I think that's a great place to start. And um, I'm going to pull up, actually, the... Um, Pulling out the rule book. Up. Let's go, folks. Let's do this. <laughs> well, I'm not going to pull out the rule book. I'm actually going to pull up the um, uh, one of the... Uh, I'm trying to find it real quick. I think one we should the, stream um, our next session sheet. of Pendragon. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. All right, so here's like the, one of the folio sheets, right, yeah, that yeah. Uh, you can see. And I'll zoom in on um, aspects of it. So... And I'll try to get over here to the left. So uh, wounds at HP, and we can see kind of like here's um, some of on the upper left here. Here's some of the um, weapons that you can use, right? Like a lance if you're using the charge skill. So this is your jousting, Dan. Um, value is 15. Uh, this is a D20 roll under system. 
So what you're trying to do is roll under 15 on this, right, to do it. And if you hit, you do 5d6 damage, which that's a lot of damage. I mean, that's an average of about, what, 18? Something like that? Something in there, um, yeah. yeah. close to that. So um, you can see, you know, you can see some of the different values that they have here. Um, but, uh, Lincoln, like, so you were talking about combat before. Walk us through, like, how one of your rounds worked in combat. Yeah, sure. So um, we we generally, I think in our game, we were all fighting on the ground. We were kind of the uh, the starter knights, right, running, walking and running around with our, our swords. And uh, it would I would roll for my attack and, ha again, have to roll under my stat. And then uh, an, an opponent, in this case Justin, he would roll for, for the enemy and then whichever one of us got closest to our roll under was the yeah. most successful. So if you so roll yeah. here, the arming sword is 13. If Lincoln and let's say my spear was a 15 that I was using, if Lincoln rolled a 12 and I rolled a 10, Lincoln won that battle. Right. Because he was, was closest to, get... to my roll, right? And if you rolled on it, it was a crit and did automatic double damage. Right. And so you could imagine the lance, Dan, right? You're going on the lance and all of a sudden you hit, you roll a 15, you're like 10 D6 damage. My lance just went through your helm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all the way through, right? It's um, so It has, and when you're fighting NPCs, you know, and monsters, whatever you want to call them, it's great. I mean, that you're just like, I just dropped that guy and you're going to the next one, right? And you have to imagine though, there's, you're fighting against somebody in plate armor. And so you're going to have equally frustrating situations when you hit those guys in their defense and they win. And now they're stabbing you for, you know, 46 damage or whatever. You're like, ah, I have to back up. I need help. You know what I mean? So you're trying to keep each other alive. It felt very visceral, very real combat. Um, it was really good. One thing also I want to point out here, and I, I'm just going to read it to you because it's so great, right? The object of the game is to acquire glory. Everything a character does that is nightly helps to acquire glory. And when he attains a thousand glory points, he has a chance to develop in ways denied to normal folk. He gets glory through combat, chivalrous behavior, religious behavior, familial obligations, possessions, riches, and social position. And so all of those things, right? are ways that you can run your scenario. You can run a scenario based with a lot of combats and a lot of fighting. Mm -hmm. You can have a scenario where the characters are put into, into situations where they have the opportunity to be chivalrous or not, right? To follow their religious bearings or not. Um, and so I think it's, it's, it's really, I had a great time playing it, man. And, and I, I mean, I played a lot of RPGs and this one, like it had that, realism feeling you know it's just it was just a very familiar feeling to me and so your, of, your comparison yeah. to king arthur with clive owen for me yeah. it's like dead on i i will i want to ride in a horse around in that universe yeah. and like go build my glory and dan you can be my squire like let's go come on i'll, I mean, I'll hold I mean, <laughs> i'll hold that sword for you my lead thank you thank you so one of the things that i think that really helps this game out is um as part of the combat because you are facing off against your opponent and you're both rolling against, it's a roll against combat system there's no such thing as initiative in this game right you don't need initiative you don't need to say well the bad guy goes first and then three turns later you go 
Do you know what I mean? Like you're both rolling. And if it's a two on one, well, you know, Lincoln will say I'm facing off against the guy on the left. So those two will roll against each other. And then the third, the other guy gets to roll against Lincoln unopposed. Right. So like when I, when I fight Dan, or if you're, if you're an NPC, I'm fighting you. Well, because I'm fighting you, you're also rolling against me. We roll at the same time. So your combats are going faster. Mm-hmm. It isn't this, I take a turn, you take a turn. The three monsters take a turn. You take a turn. I take a turn. The three monsters take a turn. It's literally, I take a turn against the monster. And he goes simultaneously. You take a turn against the monster. They go simultaneously. Now that one monster gets to hit us. And because we acted, we can't defend. Right? Yeah. That's the kind of thing that happens. So, I mean, it's. So, the great thing about that is the rounds go very quickly. Um, the damage is very high. You know yep. what I mean? And yep. um, so, it's like, I think that most of our combats were like three or four rounds. Yep. Like, they weren't very long, you know, to get through, even though there was a lot of guys. The interesting thing, too, that I liked about this is um, you can see here on the left of this folio, right? This is a character sheet. Um, you've got uh, wounds and, um, you know, your wounds and damage. And so, like, for example, if I hit Lincoln, he'll put wound number one, how much damage he took, and he'll be like it was a dagger to the side or something like that. Wound number two that he might, he's like, maybe I took an arrow in the shoulder and how much damage he did, right? And the description is just to kind of remind you of what happened. So when you go to do your medical checks, again, there's no, like, potion of healing here, right? You have to, like, take a week and recover. You need to, like, do some light duty. You need to, like, go see a surgeon or something like that. Go to the inn and brothel. I mean, you know, it's what you got to do to, you know, feel better. (laughs) You, um you basically heal one wound at a time. So a success that you get will take off wound number five, but wounds one through three, four will still be there. So it doesn't just, even though like this might be only one damage and number two was like 16 damage or something like that, you'll heal the one damage because it's like, okay, well I I stitched up that part right there and you kind of go back up the rank. And so um, you're, you, the, the second part of the mission, Lincoln, that you guys did, you were going out. You were all going out pretty wounded. Yes. Right. Like, again, we were looking at Merlin like, hey, can we get a quick, you know, uh, greater recovery right now before we all go out there? And he's like, <laughs> not that kind of wizard. You better go yeah. see, you know, go see a doctor. And that doctor, I think our heal was like, you know, you heal 1d4 damage. It was like, it wasn't a lot of like, yeah. well, that's crazy. Like, you slap a bandage on it. You're good. Walk it off, buddy. You're good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or it's like, oh, my so word. Like, it was, um, yeah. I, I, so it's interesting because I think that that, again, adds to the realism. It adds to the lethality of this system, which means that I think players, um, it was awesome. The first round of combat that you guys did, you're like, oh, we're just going to go in here and blah. And then afterwards, you're like, okay, let's think about how we're going to approach this scenario. <laughs> right. Literally, it was like instant. We put, we were instantly put in check. We're like, there was, you know. a, I think our friend Tyler was playing. And like round one, dude, he took an axe to the head and went down like immediately. And everybody's <laughs> like, what just happened? Like, it was that moment where all the players are like, are you serious right now? Like, right. we're all going to die. We're all looking at Justin like, what are we, like, we're level one. What are you supposed to do? He's like, well, you guys, you're not fighting goblins in a cave. Like, this is a guy with an axe, and you have on a leather helmet. Like, what do you think is going to happen? You're like, you know, yeah. maybe you shouldn't go running in trying to kill five guys with your, you know, your axe against their five axes, right? Like, yeah. do something. Yeah, you know? and so they needed to, like, Start, they're like, oh man, if we team up, then it's so much more effective. 
right? right? Like, did, we need uh, to like start using tactics. Did you have to hand Tyler another character? No, he ended up being oh. able to be revived, but it was pretty funny because he's just like, <laughs> holy, holy smokes. It was really funny. He just he just couldn't smell the color blurple anymore after taking yeah. it. Right. Yeah. And like, I mean, look at the, uh, I can see your sheet there. You're sharing pretty clear. And yeah. like, if you look at the skills, right? So I'm a guy, I love to role play, right? Like for yeah. me, it's not just all about the dice. I love to get the character oh. and role play the heck out of it, right? And like, you've got stuff like falconry, right folklore flirting first day religion sing literacy hunting like hello you could have like a mini part of your your session totally. where the players have to provide food for themselves hunting you're like all or right just well being you glory. Know. like you're out on a royal hunt right yes the, right you, you know, know who like, gets a stag yeah so. right who, who's riding on the pony versus who's riding on the you know the big horse right um yeah it's just there's just so many things in here that help you to tell a story the way you want to with your character in his mm -hmm. session. And yeah. I just think it's really great. I can't wait. I really, I can't wait to play. So I don't know what's taking you so long, Justin, but I'm ready to go. <laughs> Sorry. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So I want to talk about, um, you know, this is one of the last things I want to talk about with, um, with this character sheet is that um, it has a very unique system as well. Um, you have traits and passions. I'll talk about passions first. Your passions are what drive you, okay? Um, so, like you can see with our character here, honor is such a big thing for him. Um, fealty is like 50% if you're thinking, you know, zero to 20, right? But love of like familial love is big one. He hates the Saxons a little bit. He's kind of devoted to God, you know, like that kind of thing. So, a lot of times what you can do is um, once a day, you can invoke these passions to help you in whatever you're doing. Right. So like if you were about to make, like if everybody's uh, looking at a line of picks and you need to, you know, you guys need to turn the tide of the battle that you guys are doing. This man might, uh, you know, this night may um, invoke honor and be like, I shall be the first to, you know, like charge the lion and he gets a roll on his honor, and if that does that, it imbues him, and he gets basically um, a plus five to all of his, or a minus five to all of his rolls, or you know, basically a, a five point leeway. So, like, you know, instead of charge now for him being a fifteen, it's a twenty, you know, He's that he can it. roll under. So that will give him like that boost that he needs, and um, but it's only and once it's per great. day. It's only once it's only per, like day, once per right? day. Yep. And so you're and, like. So it's great. And what that does is it really helps with the role playing, right? Like somebody might be more fealty, like they're like totally ill in on King Arthur. You know, they're going to be one of his knights, but somebody's more honor. Maybe somebody's got, you know, more tied to their family, that type of thing. And so totally helps with role play there. And, and it gives some epic moments where the knights will stand up and they're like, this is why I'm doing this and like, go do something epic, you know? So, um, so you can I'm have really your, like your circuit had. You can right. have your Sir Galahad the chase moment inside That's a right. castle anthrax. <laughs> so it's, right. it's like, I want you to imagine, Dan, like you, you know, like comparing it to other games, right? Because more people are familiar with like a D&D &D thing. If you could roll a dice before you rolled your D20, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to roll this dice knowing that I'm going to have a huge bonus on my D20 so that when you describe to us what you're going to do, you know that bonus is part of it. 
So you're like, I stand up with my broadsword, and I see the fear in the eyes of the Saxon, and I cleave his skull because you know you're going to have a plus seven or whatever, right, to your roll. And then you find out, you know, that he's got like a metal helmet on or something, and you'd miss because <laughs> you still roll. <laughs> you know? yeah. But yeah, I just think that it's it's really great, man. It's so yeah. good. So if the passions are kind of like what fuels you, these traits are interesting. They're kind of like um, guardrails for your character a little bit, if I were to kind of describe it like that. Mm -hmm. And what you'll see is that there's a spectrum here. Uh, you know, you have chase on the chased on the left, left side, lustful on the right. You know, next one is energetic and lazy is its opposite. Forgiving is one and vengeful is another generous, selfish, honest, deceitful, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so what this does is that you'll see that um, some of them are bold on here, which means that those are your core, some of your core traits. Those are the yep. ones that your knight identifies with very strongly. And these so are not the get... same for all your characters, right? All That's, the characters yeah. have very different numbers. Yes, exactly. So, for example, let's say that we just had a really bloody battle with some picks right and it was it was very difficult and maybe you lost a friend or two and you now have a prisoner in front of you how are you going to treat this situation right like right. in D, D, you're like i'm going full mur murder hobo who cares like it doesn't mean anything right and you're just like i kill him or whatever you know um and there's like really no consequences to that well this one you might you might say okay what do you do with this prisoner and the, the GM will tell you, okay, well, what, what are your traits between merciful and cruel? Well, merciful is one of my core ones, and I also have a higher number there. Okay, well, roll to see if you are merciful to this person, right? Um, and you roll it, and if you are successful, that just kind of helps give you flavor of how to do that, right? Like, you don't have to be, like, super merciful, and you, there's, like, interpretation. Maybe your mercy is to give him a swift killing. Do you know what I mean? Like instead of like knowing that he's gonna be end up being tortured by pulling him uh, behind my horse, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So maybe your <laughs> your mercy is it. So like, but that you know that can do it. If you fail that, and it's one of your one of your main traits, well, you have kind of a crisis of conscience there for a little bit, and you're you end up checking the cruel box there, and you kind of that's sort of how you sort of play it. Like you know you. You end up breaking with your with your traits a little bit of who you are, and you you kind of lose face. Um, you don't end up losing glory, but I think you lose a little bit of honor, um, and because you're just like it's kind of like a samurai breaking its character in a sense. You know what I mean? Where uh, people are like, "Whoa, that just happened!" Like that was called called Wallen the Merciful, and he right. just did that, you know. And so right. um, that represents again some interesting role-playing scenarios where you are looked at by other people as being merciful and that's kind of who you are and so if you go against it then um you you know you start to become a different person and right. that's and I, built yeah. into the system and i think it's kind of a play on you know nobody's perfect right so if you want to play a knight dan and you're like hey i'm going to be this glorious honorful dutiful knight and i'll never make a bad decision i don't want to be evil at all and then you end up in a brawl, right? In in uh, you know, with five picks, and one of them just stuck his his pickaxe through your buddy's skull. Like, how are you going to react, right? Well, hopefully yeah. you'll be still be honorable and dutiful, but there's a very good chance here that you might go reckless, 
right mm-hmm. after that. And then your group that sees you're like, wow, he has, Sir Dan has really lost it. He's kind of gone reckless. That really got under his skin. So now you're not this perfect gleaming knight that you aspire to be, but that doesn't mean that you're, there's not a path toward that, but that's your character yeah. development, right? So it's really cool, man. Really yeah, that's cool. great. Sounds cool. Sounds really good. And, and it means that combat is linked to story, which is always really, really important yep. to make the game fully meaningful. And we all had different, like, I think one of us had, um, I'm trying to remember, I think one of us had a trait where our enemy was the race of another one of the knights. <laughs> so oh, it was yeah, like, right. yeah it's like there was almost you know it's like oh i'm fighting people that are here but uh i think one of the knights was a saxon and we were fighting some yep. saxons and yep. she's like just because i'm saxon doesn't mean that i'm you know not on your team right you know a knight mm-hmm. can be you know from anywhere doing anything trying to prove themselves and that that could be part of your storyline right in your your character arc so it's just really great man good stuff yeah, this is I, I I love this game. It's a um this is from the branch of the Rune Quest um line, you know what I mean? So um you know back in the day in the 1970s and early 80s, there were really two major RPGs. There was DD and there was Rune Quest. And um, so you see pretty much all of the spiritual successors of those, the progeny of those two RPGs, um, kind of fall into one camp or another. Um, and, uh, this was, came from the rune quest, which is why you have some of the, you know, the, the, uh, spectrum traits and things like that. So, um, it's a, I think it's a, a great game. Um, I wanted to talk about just really quickly as we close this out, the, um, uh, the starter set that you can get. And I know I had uh, mentioned it before. Um, but I wanted to share it here. So again, it's $30. Um, it's a great box. It comes with, again, I have these folios here. The great thing about these folios is that um, hopefully the camera can catch this here. Maybe I'll have nope. to put it in front of me. Okay. So here's the character like this, right? Mm-hmm. It's got the, the picture of him and stuff like that. And then right here, you've got a nice little log that you can track. Like It's almost like a little journal of things that they have done. You know, and then on this side is all his backstory, but then it folds open just like the RuneQuest ones did. Oh, again, here we are. Um, and there's the, the inside folio that we were just looking at, right, that you can mark on. Great little, I mean, the, like it feels good. It's It's got like, you know, it's not just a simple like thing that you got out of your printer. Like it's a it's a great, uh, great thing. It came with some dice in there. Um, it came with, as all Chaosium products do, it came with a, a light rules book and then the adventures book that had like three adventures in there that you can play. And then it came and the adventures basically start with the sword and the stone and then take you through the establishment of uh, King Arthur as a king. So it's like you're, you're playing it from day one with him, which is awesome. And then that sets you up to then go on adventures as part of his round table. Right. Um, so that's the, the adventures. And then you um, also have, which again, I find immensely helpful and I love Chaosium for this. You have a solo play uh, adventure where you as the DM who has never played this before get to try it out yourself and understand how things work, right? And you get it in your mind. And so then when I was running with you guys, Lincoln, I was feeling way more confident 
about how to run this game that I had never run before because I had played it myself right. as a solo play, right? right? And then the maps that are inside of it, yeah. I was trying to find a, a link for you for the maps. The maps that come in the core rulebook, I'm looking at them, and they're yeah, they're amazing. I mean, it just you look at this huge landscape, and you're thinking to yourself, yeah. man, I, I want to go there. <laughs> I want to ride around on a horse in this place and just yeah. do what I want to do. And I just think it's awesome they also have a very unique sorry they have a very unique system for um mass combat so like you're talking like major battlefield stuff and i need it i'm gonna be honest i had a little bit of hard time wrapping my brain around like how that was working so i didn't run it as well as i probably should have and i scrapped one part of our adventure because i wasn't i didn't have a good handle on it and so i need to go watch some videos on how to handle like a mass battle but they have these little card aids that you can see at the bottom of this picture right here that help you run a mass battle as well, which is really great. So a lot of good stuff in this starter pack. Like it's such a good value for $30. I can't, I can't stress that enough. So good. So, yeah. So I got a quick uh, addendum for you all. Um, Ian World, who I'm a fan of, they have uh, listed Pendragon 6th edition, which this is. Mm -hmm. as uh, it made the top six most anticipated RPGs of the year. The Hardbound Player's Handbook is coming out this April. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There will be a Game Master's Handbook and a Noble's Handbook for high-level play coming out later in the year. Um, additional products include a GM screen, a bestiary, and atlas, regional source books. They're also putting out a uh, the uh, the Great Pendragon campaign, which is the the Gray Knight book, which originally was released in 2006, will be updated for the new sixth edition rule set. So um, the starter set looks like just a screaming good value, but I know a lot of yes. folks say, "Done with the starter set. What next? And what next is coming down the pike?" So this is a a new game that's getting published here in yeah. 2024. Um, and we'll have some additional products coming down the pike in a, in future years. So, so uh, it's feel, feel good about your ability to build the library up as they release products. So it's interesting because they released the starter set well before <laughs> any of the core materials, right? As we're, as we're seeing. Um, part of that is that the creator of this, Greg Stafford passed away not too long ago, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, that was just kind of part of his, I mean, this is, this is his passion project, right? Yeah. And, um, so sixth edition, getting it to where it was and where it needed to be. He unfortunately didn't get to see it through all the way, but he brought it to like a point where Chaosium could, um, you know, take it to the end. It's interesting because Pendragon has had a kind of a windy road in terms of publishers. It started out with Chaosium. Um, back in the day, but then it went to, um, let's see, sorry, it started out, uh, it started out with kind of Chaosium, and then it was acquired by Green Knight Publishing, and then they passed the rights to White Wolf Publishing, and then White Wolf sold the game to Stuart Wyke, I don't know who that is, and he formed Nocturnal Media, who then updated and reissued 5th edition published in White Wolf, but then in 2018 it returned back to Chaosium where they began working on the 6th edition with Greg Stafford, saying like, this is basically going to be my crown jewel. 
And, um, you know, that's where they're getting at it. So um, very excited about it. I'm excited about the tools and, and kits and stuff like that. So um, I, I'm, I was going to say one last thing is that um, because of the setting the way it is, because a lot of us in the United States, for example, and, you know, a lot of English speaking countries have grown up on Arthurian legend and we know kind of British folklore just due to our ancestry. Like, it's not hard to come up with content for this, right? Like, like we know stories of knights and chivalry and all of that stuff. And we can come up with, I think, rather easy adventures. You don't have to worry about, like, the big bad guy that's, like, some necromancer that's trying to, you know, like, steal the souls of all the people or whatever. You can just have basically some feudal you know, disputes and things like that, that you need to resolve and have a great time doing it, you know? So, yeah. um, I think it's, I think it's an easy <clears throat> setting to create content in as well. Yep, I agree hundred percent. You know, so like I said, it, if there was any game that was close to real, I was like, this feels like very relatable. Yeah. Very, very relatable. You know, and, and nothing beats a, a, a public domain IP as well. So, right. Uh, that's that really, makes it easier i mean if there's opportunities for uh players to publish their own stuff uh if chaosium allows that like on drive through rpg having having ip elbow room is a beautiful thing yeah for sure for sure well we highly encourage you guys to get the starter set wet your palette for the uh content that's coming out in spring of this year uh very excited for it uh, i know that i am and i will be looking to uh chaosium to get my copies of that for sure so but hey if you've got questions if you've got comments have you played this game leave it in the comments of the video below join us in our discord hop in there tell us what you think of pendragon if you played it and if not maybe you're close to virginia and we'll get you a game in soon so uh you know that'd be great so thank you guys so much for joining us tonight we uh greatly appreciate all this all the love and support we get from you guys and uh, hopefully we will see you all at the tables. Have a good night, everybody. Good night.